0: It's time to talk all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, Dennis Michelson, and Laurie Monroe from RacetalkRadio.com. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, from the David Hobbs Honda Studios, it's Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Zaki.
2: And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Make sure you check them out at greatlakesdragway.com, along with our friends at David Hobbs Honda. They, of course, 6100 North Green Bay Avenue, and they can be found on the web at DavidHobbsHonda.com. And joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is Tony DeZino. Tony, welcome back to the show.
3: Yeah, thanks. Uh, I've, uh, I'm still alive uh, after after the break, after the segment. Uh, I've not been abducted like Martin Truex Jr. will be on Sunday.
2: <laughs> and uh, it's it's silly season. So uh, in in the world of IndyCar, and of course, what's more silly than uh, a Michael Andretti, Ryan hunter Ray and Butterball?
3: It is a uh, quickly becoming a Thanksgiving tradition where when there's no news going on in the world of IndyCar and you're waiting for the final few seats to <laughs> get filled, there's always the joy in that random Tuesday or Wednesday in November when you get the Andretti's teaming up with Butterball for a turkey release. And to be honest, it's a it's a good cause, but, you know, it's, you know, it's helping a lot of local food banks in Indianapolis, Ryan Hunter Ray, Butterball, and the Andretti team get together to donate. But I think the, you know it's, it's a good news value because of when it happens when there's nothing going on and there's always a little chuckle you get out of it just it's uh you can never help it's one of the more quirky off-the-wall IndyCar partner uh programs that we see every year so it's kind of kind of a an in-joke and a highlight uh, that that team puts together
2: now I like to think think of myself as you know somewhat of an IndyCar insider I mean it's I spend more time in Indianapolis than I do in probably downtown Milwaukee. And, and, and this, I hear this thing, report proposed Nashville race dumped in advance. I'm thinking, well, yeah, they were going to run at the Oval again. Wrong. Tell, tell me about this.
3: Yeah, so earlier this summer, uh, there was a proposal pitched uh, the Mattiolis, who've been involved with the Pocono track, and uh, a couple kind of key IndyCar track design officials, Tony Cotman, who's kind of oversees a number of track designs, uh, he's looked at Baltimore, he's Brazil, he's done a couple others. Uh, they have got together with the city officials in Nashville to put together this proposed track near or Titans Football Stadium, Nissan Stadium. They were looking at putting to get together a race for 2019. However, there are a lot of logistical pitfalls that come with that, which is trying to find one a suitable date in the schedule, two a title sponsor to pay for it, three a actual track that doesn't look like a Mickey Mouse course. Mm-hmm a stadium you know it's like i wasn't around when the meadowlands happened but i don't remember anyone waxing poetic saying you know what would be awesome another right. meadowlands type track or like even when they ran houston a few years ago in the parking lot uh that wasn't i went to that race once and it was one of the most miserable experiences i've had in my career so ultimately this week uh the local paper the tennesseean put out that uh some state officials some local officials said we can't make this thing work so it's not going to get off the ground i'm of the opinion that you're better off going back to places that are actual racetracks instead of trying to do startup events it's a really hard sell to get startup events going because of all the sunk costs you have to go into infrastructure and dealing with cities and local governments it's just it's such a night nightmare The last race, the last street race that that started, I think, was Baltimore, and we saw how quickly that fell off. NOLA was a disaster a couple years ago, and really where IndyCar's success has been the last two, three years has been going back to permanent facilities. So um, a good idea that will fortunately be designed to to the dustbin of history before it ever gets off the ground.
1: Well, okay. Now that leads right into my question. We had Scott Paddock, the president of Chicagoland Speedway, uh, on, and with the NASCAR date moving uh, back to July instead of in September, he said that he's uh, remained in contact with IndyCar officials, and he's you know going to try to bring back IndyCar to Chicagoland Speedway. Now, I know that they've had two or three of the top five closest finishes in IndyCar history. It seems like a perfect match, and all the Milwaukee fans, it's very close.
3: There are a lot of positives to a Chicago Speedway return. Um, I would put with a caveat about the close finishes, the, the aero package that IndyCar ran in the 2001 roughly to 2008-9 range before they they added the new car in 2012 was a very high downforce and low horsepower type car, which brought the field together. So you had a lot of close packs and therefore the field was bunched pretty closely, which is in part what helped contribute to those close finishes. Uh, IndyCar, I think we'll be looking toward a significant schedule shakeup for the 2019 season. If it was to go in that summer window, you'd have to look at a, an Iowa or Toronto or mid-ohio moving those are pretty entrenched within their dates what would make a ton of sense hypothetically is if it was like early july uh, ahead of those road americas of course the the last weekend in june then you'd be able to get kind of a road course oval double dip Um, i'm not saying that'll happen but i'm just trying to play out where it could fit within the summer timeline based on where the, the schedule shifts uh, it would make a lot of sense to return there. IndyCar needs as many ovals as they can get. The the challenge there is just finding, as ever, uh, the combination of a date, a sponsor, and really the the biggest thing is the optics of it. Because with the grandstand that big, and even if you only get twenty five, thirty thousand, that might be a good number, but it looks bad if it's a seventy five or eighty thousand seat uh, facility.
2: Well, Tony, it's uh, the end of. Another year, and uh, we certainly appreciate you coming on the show, and look forward to doing it again uh, next year.
3: It's been a fun year, man. It's uh, appreciate you and Jeff. Uh, you know, ma- mainly Jeff. You know, not you as much.
2: Steve, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, yeah. It's been, it's been Everybody fun, loves so the pipe on and, and
3: uh, having the rod.
2: Yeah, we had a lot of good times this year uh, out at uh, Road America and what down in Indianapolis, and uh, look forward to doing it again next year. So, uh, Tony. We'll talk to you again. Look forward to chatting with you again in February.
3: All right, you guys. Take care.
2: All right. Thank you. Tony DeZeno joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by Great Lakes Fragway and David Hobbs Honda. Speaking of which, coming up next, Formula One expert, David Hobbs. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with our friends at David Hobbs Honda in Glendale. And speaking of which, on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, speaking to us now is from NBC Sports, David Hobbs. Welcome to the show, David.
4: Thank you very much, Steve. Um, thank you for that great opening from NBC Sports, but not for much longer, I
2: fear. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, that's... that's. Uh, something i don't even want to talk about it just no, much. <laughs> i wasn't gonna bring it up but <laughs> but well, uh, uh, uh and of course we appreciate appreciated your support throughout the year uh of the show from david hobbs honda and of course you can find them at 6100 north green bay road and on the internet at david hobbs where you have a wide variety of new and used cars isn't that correct
4: that is very correct. We have an extremely wide variety, all waiting to be taken to new homes. Just like
2: little puppies. Just like <laughs> little puppies to be cared for. <laughs> well, last weekend we had one of my favorite uh, Grand Prix, one of my favorite tracks, and that is, of course, the Grand Prix of Brazil. And you know what, David? I think Lewis Hamilton should crash out every qualifying session.
4: Boy, i tell you what, it certainly uh, livened the day up, didn't it? Um, And it brought home a number of uh, disparities and issues. Um, I mean, Vettel started from uh, the front row and his teammate. Barbtree Bottas started on the pole. And Lewis Hamilton started from the pit lane. And in the end, you know, Lewis Hamilton came fourth, just missed the podium. But, I mean, he was only five seconds behind the leader. And only about three seconds behind his teammate who had started from pole position. So, a lot of people have been making um, somewhat disparaging comments about Valtteri Bottas' performance this week. Um, Obviously, first and foremost, that he let Bessel get by at turn one and never saw him again. And secondly, you know, how wasn't he able to give a moral account of himself? But the fact is that uh, on qualifying, well, all through the weekend on Friday, in both practices, practice on Saturday morning and then the qualifying. The times on the top four were all incredibly close. I mean, really, you know, they were within about the top four, within like 44 hundredths of a second on stage. So it was a close race, but it just really demonstrated what an amazing job Hamilton did to climb to the field in that
2: way. And, I mean, it, it's plus, I mean, the pressure was off of Hamilton. He was out there. The, that that was probably the funnest he had in a race in a long time. Pressure's off; he's already champion. Let's go out there have some fun, and uh, let's just wing it.
4: Well, he certainly did, and of course, you know, all these guys, you tend to lose sight of the fact that they are—they're all making so much. Well, not all of them, but a lot of them are making so much money, and they seem to live these very privileged lives, which they do. But really, most well, most of them are in it because they really like you know, driving fast and, and racing and the competition. And um, it gave Hamilton a perfect platform for him to display his skills. Um, mm-hmm. Now, they were able to make some adjustments to the car after qualifying, uh, which other people weren't, because once you've qualified, you're in park ferme and you're not allowed to touch anything major. You can make very minor changes to the car. Um and of course, Hamilton could do a lot of stuff. And they—they they, they actually changed the engine. They changed the engine. They changed the uh, the, the couple of the auxiliary power units. And I think they did some, you know, some aero changes to the car. So one way or another, you know, it was a, a very different car to what he'd driven on Saturday. But by the same token, uh, as you start in the pit lane, you don't get any, um, you know, a sort of formation lap runs. Mm-hmm. And uh, so. You know, the first lap out was his lap out of the pit lane. So, so they obviously took a very calculated guess, and whatever they did worked extremely well.
2: Well, even even with the, the the tire warmers and that, I mean, by him sitting out on pit lane, I mean, those are probably the coldest the tires have been all weekend, weren't they? Yeah, they would have been. Yeah. Um, now,
4: as it happened, they warmed up pretty quickly because the track was significantly hotter than they'd been all weekend. It was the hottest on race day, which we thought might lead to some tyre degradation, especially on the super soft, which on the Friday had done some amazingly long runs. We're all thinking, wow, this you know, is certainly going to be a one-stop race. Um, and anyway, yeah, I mean, uh, but in the end, it, it did, did not. The extra heat did not turn into more degradation, and uh, Hamilton started on the soft tyre as opposed to the super soft. And, of course, ran very deep into the field and then was able to run on the super softs at the end, which, of course, gave me more base.
1: Yeah, Um, what did you think about the uh, team members that were uh, held up in Brazil, and you think the FIA should take action?
4: Well, I don't think the FIA... Well, it's very difficult for the FIA to take action in a jurisdiction that's absolutely nothing to do with them. I mean, they're not law enforcement people. Um, They could maybe supply team buses of some sort but it's up to the city itself. And uh, I was very dismayed to see the mayor on Monday morning said, well, this is no worse than lots of other cities. Um, but I mean, I've never seen, you know, people, I mean, it was not only, they were held up all weekend. You know, the, the Mercedes bus was, they were held up at gunpoint, the FIA bus or the upgate car, one of the FIA cars was held up at gunpoint. Um, and the uh, gunman actually tapped on the window with his gun, but it turned out that the FIA, the FIA car had bulletproof windows. <laughs> so they're in good shape. Um, so I thought it was a bit cavalier of the mayor of, of, um, of Sao Paulo to say that uh, this is no worse than lots of other places. It obviously is significantly worse than lots of other places. And in fact, on Sunday night, the Pirelli people were held up and they had been going to run a test on Monday and uh, they cancelled the whole thing and all went home. So it's not good, and I'm not quite sure what the FIA can do about it. The only thing they can do about it, quite honestly, is to say to the city of um, Sao Paulo, uh, we're not going to come here again. Um, But that would be a tough choice to make, but that should be what they should say. Until you can sort your act together, we're not going to come back.
2: Well, the good news for the David Hobbs fans in the Milwaukee area and those listening on the Internet, he's not going away. Uh, he will be uh, February second in uh, Chicago for the Murpa dinner. Murpa is the Metaldale International Road Racing. Uh, now it's Midwest, though I should say. But yeah. uh, and uh, they have a dinner. It'll be yourself and Johnny Rutherford, uh, hosted by our friend Linda Darrow. And I will post. I will post that information on the the Facebook site on the uh, TFI. I bought so-
4: my ticket today, Steve.
2: Excellent, and we're looking yeah. forward to uh, seeing you up there uh, in a couple of months. And then also, uh, fans might not be aware of this, but you have a book coming out next year.
4: I do. It's only taken me about 11 years to write, and I've had a lot of help from, obviously, my wife Margaret has always been very keen that I get this book written. And I started with Bob Varsha, and then I've gone to Andrew Marriott, who a lot of uh, listeners will be familiar with on the Fox broadcast and the Sports Car Races. And he and I kind of finished it off, and it's being published as we speak uh, in Britain uh, by Evro, and it will be out, it will be launched at the Amelia Island Concorde d'Elegance in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, on March, the the weekend of March 11th, 12th. And, uh, yeah, so we're looking forward to that. Um, and I should be doing a bit of a book tour with that, probably go to Road America in the... Uh, for the IndyCar race and obviously for the uh, vintage race in July uh, and all sorts of other areas um, in the Midwest and um, all over the States trying to uh, pump sales. So I'm hoping that we'll sell probably as many as maybe 20 or 30 of these books.
2: (laughs) Well, uh, this is our last show of the year and we'll, we'll be returning uh, February 17th of next year. So looking forward and you're, you're always welcome on the show. So Hopefully well, uh we'll, we'll have you on next year.
4: Don't forget me now, I'm not commentating. Yes, I, I know.
2: Watching. Oh yeah. Okay. The eyes and ears of David Hobbs has that uh that eye on F one, so we appreciate yeah. it. Good, thank you. All right, David Hobbs on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. We look uh, appreciate you coming on uh, the year, and when we come back, we will be talking with well, we got a whole lineup of guests here, Jeff, but uh we'll be uh we'll be talking to one of our guests, probably author, uh uh, Brad Tinkle, who wrote a book on uh, Harry McQuinn, a great Midwest uh, midget driver. So we'll be chatting with him next on the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by Great Lakes Dragaway and, of course, David Hobbs Honda.
0: This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan.
2: And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with our friends at David Hobbs Honda, on the web at davidhobshonda.com. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, of course, it is Brad Tinkle, who's uh, written a book, Harry McQuinn, King of the Midgets, Dirt Trek, Sprint Car, Midget Racer, Airplane Pilot, and Race Official. Welcome to the show, Brad.
5: Thank you. Appreciate you inviting me on.
2: I, I, I you know if it's if it's old old-time racing I am a fan <laughs> as the former historian at the at the Milwaukee Mile and of course Harry McQuinn had a lot of spent a lot of time up at, at, at the Milwaukee Mile uh as a driver and also later as an official and uh Harry McQuinn, uh of course I should have you probably do his background but uh from from the Chicago and there's always been a strong uh uh, a, a strong, oh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, tie between Chicago and Milwaukee drivers, especially when it came to the old AAA, USAC, midgets, and the dirt tracks. So what wasn't there?
5: Um, it seemed to be, but it seemed, uh, especially during his time while he was racing, there was a little bit of that click. You know, you were part of the Chicago gang, or you sort of weren't. So. Mm-hmm.
2: And, of course, when when you think of that Chicago gang, you think of guys, of course, like uh, McQuinn, but also not only that, but uh, Tony Bettenhausen and uh, Duke Nayland and those guys. And uh, and Paul Russo, of course, was another one. And and midget racing started off on on, on the West Coast, of course, initially. uh, But in the Midwest, uh, I believe the first midget race was held at a Greyhound track in Brookfield, Wisconsin, across from where Brookfield Square is uh, located now, I believe, in 1934. But they did a lot of racing up at the, at the Milwaukee Mile uh, outside on a cinder track. And, and, and then, of course, there's a lot of tracks. And people, you know, old-timers may remember this, but Chicago was full of short tracks back in the 30s and 40s, wasn't it?
5: Yeah, the 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 neat thing about the small cars is they were running, as you said, on, on... – small tracks. So people were, uh, converting dog tracks. They were using, um, tracks at high schools and county fairs, uh, old horse tracks and et cetera. So, you know, just about every county could really, you know, have its own midget raceway.
2: Yeah. In fact, uh, I was, uh, by Racine Horlick in uh, Racine, uh, as, and it, it's long it's been a school it's been there since the 30s i told somebody who i was with i said you know they they held a uh, midget r- race car races there they were like really i didn't know that so yeah it that is quite true uh give us a, a quick thumbnail sketch on uh, harry mcquinn so um
5: harry mcquinn's my great great grandfather he um uh he he started uh, dirt track racing, which at the time in the early 1920s, and really didn't have a lot of success with it, and, and the times meant a, a lot of ch- financial challenges, uh, the stock market, and et cetera. So um, he, when he finally started coming to his own in the early 30s uh, in the dirt track, um, you know, growing up around the Annapolis area, everybody sort of eyed in the Annapolis 500. You know, wh- wh- when are we going to get a chance uh, to run there? And so he did his first in 1934, but, um, you know, the 500 is, you know, once, once a year. So he, he was looking for other ways, as he said, to keep sort of bread on the table, and um, that's when the midgets came in. And so he got very interested in the midgets, and, and because there was racetracks popping up everywhere, it was something that he could do multiple times uh, during his season, and hopefully be successful at it. He started being very successful in the dirt track and before he started moving into the midgets. (laughs) Um, After his race career shortly ended after World War II, um, he continued with sort of the the race he had mentioned. He he had been a race official and so he began that in 1949 all the way through 19, uh, at least 68 and I'm not sure if there was something slightly beyond that.
1: Yeah, now I see that uh, your book, Brad, is is self-published. How did that come about? And besides appearing on the final inspection show, what inspired you to write the book?
5: (laughs) So um, as far as the self-publication, my wife used to work in marketing and uh, was kind of in a dead-end job, and she thought she'd strike out on her own. And that, of course, has its own challenges. And uh, she got to a point where you know one of her dreams was to publish some children's stories, and uh, she's very intelligent and clever, and she found ways to um, start to do this. Um, you know, with marketing, you bring in several different players together and arts and graphics, and and so she started publishing. Um, I, you know, it was one of those things uh, I kept in my business and she kept to hers, but um, uh, I have a background in medicine, and there was a point where she said, why don't you write about what you do? Because I had written a lot of content for websites and publications and et cetera. So that took our first adventure together of sort of writing something. And the reason why we ended up doing this um, was simply because uh, my son, Zachary Tinkle, started in uh, indoor go karts um, here in the Chicago area and got very much interested in racing and probably had a lot of interest before that um, in racing. We just didn't have the opportunities for him when we lived in Indiana. Uh, so we got up here, and then there was these small cars about the size of, of go-karts that were called mini-cups, and they're just essentially a, a 50% scale of a NASCAR um, stock car. And so he's been driving those for the last four years and now getting into late model. But in the very first year, we were at a track um, in Grundy County, Illinois, um, and they have a Hall of Fame Day every Labor Day weekend. And there, it's a small shed at a, at a county fair, and they had these pictures posted all through there. And I knew my grandfather had raced, um, but growing up in the shadow of the 500, myself, you know, most of what I knew about it is he raced in the 500 and. And that was about it. I didn't know too much about his career outside of that. And um, to my surprise, I saw his picture there, uh, having raced at the Maison Speed Bowl, which was sort of the precursor because it was in Maison, which is in Grandy County. Um, and so, you know, it got to me thinking, like, are, is my son racing at other tracks in the Chicago or the Midwest where maybe my great-grandfather did? Um So it it got me started to looking, and it went through ebbs and flows, as you can imagine. Um, What really took off was the fact that digital newspapers are coming online. And so I was able to find information about him and not sort of secondhand, third, fourthhand stories from their family and a few newspaper clippings in in the um, family photo album, but actual newspaper clippings of the race and et cetera. Um, wherever he was at, be it Milwaukee Mile or the Maison Speedball, Bowl, the uh, Chicago Armory, a number of different tracks. So it got to be a point where I could fill in a, a good chunk of his racing career. And, and I kind of did it more for interest, um, but, you know, after you put in a few years of it, um, and since we do sort of self-publish, it was one of those, let's just go ahead and put it out there, Um, more for the family's sake of just capturing that history and, and leaving it there. But um, yourselves and many other places love uh, racing history. And it's one of those things that uh, we've donated a lot of books to museums and and to other people who who keep the history alive.
2: We're talking with uh, Brad Tinkle, uh, author of the book, Harry McQuinn King of the Midgets on the great Midwest bank hotline. And just looking through the book, uh, Brad, fantastic book. A lot of great photos, too, and a lot of them with uh, Harry and the, the leader card midget, uh, which was a local um, local team started, uh, started off by uh, Bob Wilkie uh, early on in, in, in the 30s and 40s and uh, continues on uh, today with the grandsons and great-grandson, Chris. And uh, what, uh, it, well, I guess the... The, the, the big question is, how does someone, uh, how does a fan uh, get this book?
5: Um, they, all these books are available on Amazon. Even though we self-publish, it's, uh, it still takes a lot to sort of create your own retail store. So mm-hmm. um, we work with um, Amazon to, to produce these books. Um, and so you can just go search either by the title, Harry McQuinn, or by me as an author.
2: All right, well, thank you so much, Brad. We appreciate you coming on the show, and um, we look uh, look forward to having you on the show again.
5: Great. Thank you very
2: much. Okay, Br- Brad Tinkle, author of the book, Harry McQuinn, King of the Midgets, available on Amazon.com. Make sure you check it out. We'll also put a post on the Facebook, the F- Final Inspection Facebook page, TFI, the Final Inspection Show on Facebook, and uh, put the information on there. Uh, and when we come back... We will be talking to a man, I guess, the the man behind the scenes, kind of Timothy Frost, who's kind of the mover and shaker, if you want, in the world of motorsports. Kind of is is a is more not more of a fan of what goes on behind the curtain, I guess, than in front of it. So when we come back, we'll talk to Timothy Frost on the final inspection show.
0: This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey, Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan.
2: And welcome back to the Final Inspection show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with our friends at David Hobbs Honda, and joining me on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. It is Timothy Frost from uh the national speedway directory and a whole bunch of other stuff. And, uh, you have a big event coming up at the PRI show. PRI of course stands for uh, the performance racing and industry show, which is in, uh, the second week in December, I believe this year down in Indianapolis. And it's one of the coolest places to go. If you work or, uh, am around auto racing, the world of motorsports, And, uh, Timothy, well, first of all, well, welcome to the show. Appreciate you coming on.
6: Well, thank you. It's always great to uh, be with all of your uh, listeners there.
2: And uh, tell us about your your big event coming up here. And uh, I, I think I think you got a guy named Dennis also involved with it, isn't it?
6: Yes, we do. We have. Uh, uh in early December, during Race Industry Week uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, in conjunction with the Performance Racing Industry PRI show, as you mentioned, we will be hosting the 6th Annual Racetrack Business Conference, uh, which brings together leaders from all across uh, different forms of uh, motorsports to go look at the business issues of our industry on and off the track.
2: And, of course, is uh, Wednesday, December 6th. And um, uh, you, you, I, you know, when Dennis mentioned this a couple weeks ago, I was pretty impressed. The headliner that you got is uh, IndyCar's uh, Jay Fry is going to be uh, headlining the event.
6: Yes, we are. We're very fortunate to get the support of uh, many of our Indianapolis-based uh, entities, and obviously, IndyCar being one of the largest ones of that. And Jay Fry has uh, got an esteemed reputation in all forms of motorsports, obviously. Uh, most recently with IndyCar and uh, prior to that down in NASCAR country with uh, several different teams. And he will be going addressing uh, our luncheon speakers, uh, our luncheon uh, guests, along with uh, kind of what's going on on the whole IndyCar stunt because they have obviously got a few things there. So we're very fortunate to have that, and he will follow up on other notables that we've had in the past, which includes Humpy Wheeler, Charlie Whiting from FIA, Doug Bowles, and Carrie Agajanian. So we're very excited to have uh, Jay Fry go and join us.
2: That's pretty cool. And who some of the other people that will be done at, at the conference?
6: Well, we've got a, 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 quite a broad lineup of people that will be there. We have uh, uh, Lori Eberhardt from uh, uh, Apollo Sports Management, one of the top uh, leading uh, attorneys in the industry. We have uh, a gentleman by the name of Ryan. Mosher from Gum Gum Sports, which will be talking about um, artificial intelligence and the use of uh, data analytics in, in sponsorship uh, evaluation. And then we've got other notables on our media panel, which will include uh, Bob Pachris from ESPN and uh, the notable Ralph Shaheen from uh, Speed Sports. So we've got a wide variety of uh, panelists that will be joining us, along with uh, many people from around the globe. Uh, that will be attending for the sixth annual event.
2: Talking to uh, Tim Frost, Motorsports Insider on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. And uh, speaking of uh, SEMA, SEMA is one of those shows, unfortunately, I've never been to because just the scheduling conflicts and whatnot, it's held out in uh, Las Vegas. And it's, it's primarily a, uh, well, I guess it started off as more as an aftermarket, uh, sh- you know, kind of, Show, But it's evolved in uh, kind of a little bit of everything and, and includes everything, including some motorsports in, involvement and whatnot. Uh, to tell the friends uh, and fans listening on the radio a, a, a little bit about that show.
6: Well, uh, SEMA stands for the uh, Specialty uh, Equipment uh, Manufacturers Association, and they're based in uh, Southern California. And this was the 33rd year for the SEMA show. Held in Las Vegas now for uh, the, the most recent past. Uh, that event over four days attracts over 170,000 attendees, covers over 1 million square feet uh, at the uh, convention center and several other venues from that. And it's the fourth largest trade show in all of Las Vegas to go through and wow. show it. Um, and what's really interesting is you get all aspects of car culture that are there. Um, it does both the inside exhibit hall along with many venues that are outside, including test tracks and, um, and drifting competitions from that. And you're really getting people from all, or, all around the world to go through and attend uh, the event. It gets solid manufacturer support from every leading um, car company around the world, and SEMA really ranks up there amongst uh, car automotive executives along with uh, Detroit, Geneva, and um, the Los Angeles uh, Car Show. So it's really a must-attend event for people to be there. Racing is a portion of of the show, but there's really just so many different aspects that you would never consider. And uh, most recently, about six years ago, SEMA went and purchased the PRI show um, from that. So it all comes under one wing. And what's really great about that is there's solid support within our industry um, from a trade show perspective to really go in and uh, keep everything going. And SEMA also maintains a large presence in Washington uh, through their SEMA PAC. And uh, just yesterday they testified in front of Congress in regards to the RPM Act, which is to save our racetracks. And uh, that entity, or they proposed uh, legislation on that to back that so SEMA really is uh, maintains presence on and off the track in all forms of motorsports and uh, off-road vehicles.
2: That's pretty interesting. And then, uh, of course, uh, you have a website, speedwaysonline.com, uh, and you have the National Speedway Directory. What 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 else do you have on uh, involvement? Well, we've
6: got the, in... the National Speedway Directory, which has been in existence since 1979. We're getting ready to. Uh, to work on the 2018 edition, which many of your listeners probably use to find the nearest track by them and also other forms of uh, uh, racing that they may be interested in from that. So um, we're really excited to you know re- be involved in many different aspects of uh, the industry along with a strategic partnership we maintain with the people at SpeedSport, which is the magazine founded by the iconic Chris Econimacki and Ralph Shaheen and his team down in Charlotte. Covering all forms of uh, motorsports, along with their recent uh, acquisition of Sprint Car and Midget, so we just we really enjoy the industry. We're fortunate to be able to work in it, and uh, you know we appreciate your show and all your backers up there because you know Milwaukee and the whole state, great state of Wisconsin, really is uh, home of uh, core forms of uh, grassroots motorsports.
2: Well, we certainly appreciate it. It's always a good time. We all seem to kind of hook up a little bit when we're in Chicago, and. uh, Hopefully we'll see you uh, February 2nd, David Hobbs and Johnny Rutherford will be down at the Merpa dinner. We'll have more information on that on the Facebook page coming up here uh, in the f- next few weeks here. Uh, yeah, Tim, if you don't know, this is our last show of the year, but we will be returning next year, uh, February 17th, uh, the third, I think it's the third Saturday in February, and um but we'll be we'll be having updates and whatnot throughout the year on our Facebook page and Twitter accounts. So, and uh, we appreciate you coming on the show. Anything else you want to cover, real quick?
6: Well, even though the racing season has just about finished, there's always the indoor season, which may be involving different forms of motorsports, including arena cross. So, racing really gets going. Can't forget the Chili Bowl that will be held in early January. So. Thanks, Steve, to your whole uh, entire team right there, and we'll see somebody at a racetrack, uh, uh, somebody, uh, in the near future.
2: All right, sounds good. Timothy Frost, uh, SpeedwaysOnline.com, and uh, make sure you check out his stuff on uh, on the web and also down in Indianapolis coming up next month. And I'd like to take this opportunity to uh, thank all of our fans and listeners uh, throughout the whole year. course our sponsors too that that have uh, helped us which is uh includes the great lakes dragway certainly appreciate them and uh, david Hobbs honda who came on later in the year to join us and hopefully they'll continue their support next year and also road america which also was very helpful throughout the year and then uh, of course let's not forget our friends at wisconsin state fair park where we were able to do a couple of live remotes in august And, of course, the people that make the show possible, uh, that, of course, Jeff Orlowski, thank you. Okay. We, we've had a lot of fun this year yeah it's been great
1: i appreciate you uh letting me
2: uh, be on your show so thank you steve it's, it's it's always a blast having you on the show and then also the people that make it help you know that have helped out throughout the year of course eddie lapine and then you got tony DeZino. appreciate him coming on the show R- really helpful and then uh, david hobbs of course can't forget him dennis and laurie dennis and laurie uh there's just so many of you know this i should have made a list i feel like one of these guys on one you know on the oscar night you know oh, i like the <laughs> thing and i forget it but yeah thank. and of course most importantly thanks to all the listeners and the boss man you gotta think the boss man tom parker so absolutely pre- appreciate him having the patience with me and uh sparky when they handed over the show and uh Uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And, uh, also summer NASCAR girl did a show with us. Yes, She did. She did it
1: at the state fair
2: at state fair. So a lot of fun this year. Looking forward to doing it again next year. And we will see you February 17th. It's going to be cold, but the cars will be hot in Daytona. Thank you.
4: This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy